What do you do in seasons of waiting? You know, those times when it seems like God is silent because he made you a promise and you're waiting for the fulfillment of it, but the waiting is taking so much longer than you thought that it would. And to add insult to injury, it seems like God isn't speaking to you anymore on the topic and your prayers are hitting the ceiling. Have you ever been there? <laughs> this is a difficult path to walk, but if you're finding yourself there, you are not alone. In fact, most of God's generals in scripture, if not all of them, had to walk through that desert of silence as they journeyed into the fulfillment of God's promises to them. So in today's episode, my guest Kristen Clark shares what the Lord has shown her about those seasons of silence and how to recognize that God actually is speaking. It just might look a little different than you anticipated or than you're used to. If you find yourself in this place, Today's episode is for you. Let's jump in. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. so much for joining me again here at Java with Jen. This is, man, we're out of March and we're headed into April and Easter is the season that we are celebrating salvation and everything that Jesus has done for us. And so I wanted to take this month to really hone in on just the unique unique ways that God works in our life. And my guest today, Miss Kristen Clark, is also a fellow podcaster who I met through social media, and she was so kind to th come on a last-minute episode and share her wisdom with us about hearing God in the silence. That's a very relevant topic, especially when life is crazy. And so, Kristen, thank you for taking the time to come on here. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad I get to share my story and, and talk to you, get to meet you face-to-face. Absolutely. Well, I'm happy to have you. I know my listeners are going to be thrilled because even in the little bit that I've heard about what you've already shared, like I'm perked, I'm interested, and I want to hear what you have to say because we all walk through those seasons where it feels like God is silent and yeah. we want to hear his voice, but it's like listening to nothing. And we know that God doesn't abandon us in those moments. And so I really am excited about what you have to share. But first, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your backstory and, and where you come from. Sure. So <clears throat> you have to excuse me. I live in Georgia and uh, the pollen season is upon us. So for anyone that lives in the South or knows what that's like to be just covered in yellow snow. Um, so I'm a little, I'm a little congested. So anyway, uh, my voice is not usually this deep. So I feel very sultry right now. <laughs> I ain't no kidding. That's the best part. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, I'm a wife and a mom. I have two kids. They're nine and 10 years old. We live uh, just north of Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, I grew up in North Carolina and moved to Georgia, which is a little bit of part of my story that I'll share later. But um, I have been working in full-time children's ministry well, I'll, I'll say this. I've been working in full-time church ministry for about 16 years. Uh, and I just resigned uh, last year to pursue seminary. And um, I have a podcast for kids called the Collide Kids Podcast. So working on that and just um, just being a mom and, and enjoying this time just to kind of focus on my family. So it's a little weird. I feel a little out of like fish out of water because I'm not working and I'm not at the church all the time, but, um, but it's been a good transition and I'm really thankful that God's provided so many different opportunities for me outside of that. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. 
That's so exciting. And I'm, I'm sure like if you have a kid's podcast, like I'm already thinking, I'm like, oh, I could play that for the kids in the car. So how does that, what, what kind of topics do you hit for kids? Yeah. So the premise is, um, learning from different people, different people's story, how their life and faith collide, uh, basically pointing out to kids that, um, our faith is worked out during the week, not just on Sundays. And so I get to talk to a lot of, uh, ministry leaders and worship leaders and things like that. But I've also been able to talk to interview a firefighter and a jet pilot and Olympic athlete and, um, different people like that, that work. I have a friend of mine recently that was in, um, he works in marketing and Broadway. So there's like all these different people, they're Christian people that are living out their faith in their job. Um, and so it's kind of a fun way for me to just ask the questions I want to know about what they do and how they do it, but also kind of giving a kids an insight on that type of job and how they can still live out their purpose and follow God and have faith while they're doing the job that they're doing. So it's, it's really interesting. I love it. I didn't expect to do it. Uh, but when 2020 came around and I needed a creative outlet, this was something I felt God led me to do. And it's been such a joy. So I, I love doing it. Uh, even if no one listens, I'll still do it. It's so yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. That's when you're like, it takes the pressure off. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so exactly. What's, what's the average age bracket that listens to your podcast? So the episodes are usually about uh, 30 minutes long. I try to keep, I try to keep it really close to 30 minutes because, um, so it's a little bit older elementary. I don't know. I think five-year-olds could enjoy it, but probably the six to 12 year olds, it's going to be more interesting for them. Um, one thing when I was starting to kind of put this on paper and figure out what I was going to do, I was like, I don't know if kids are going to want to listen to me, have a conversation with another adult. And then, uh, over the holidays on spending time with my, my family, I kept noticing that my kids would just sit down and listen to the adults talk. And, you know, when they do that, you're like, okay, go play, you know, but they're interested in kind of those conversations. So I feel like it's been a good thing. Um, but yeah, so I would say a little bit older elementary would probably pique their interest more, but the whole family could enjoy it together. It's a lot of fun. I love it. Okay. That's going to become a regular. I'm subscribing to your podcast and Yay. listen to it in the car. I love that. I love that. Cause I have a, I have a son who's like a phenomenal guitarist. And so he's looking at, you know, the music life, which I'm like, okay, at least get a business degree, please. Um, <laughs> and then my other son wants to be a YouTuber and he's on YouTube and he's building his channel. I'm like, okay, you get a business degree too, please. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it's like, they're going these different directions. And, and so, you know, helping them see how they can use that to the glory of God would be a gift, yeah. really. A yeah. Gift. And a lot of people that I've interviewed, they've talked about how, you know, they really had a passion for this one thing and then they ended up doing another job and then they ended up doing another job. And then it led to them actually doing the thing they're passionate about to begin with. So like, or God used that thing to help them with their future job or with the ministry. So it's kind of neat how God weaves all those things together. So you never know, you know, <laughs> so true. Um, okay. Well, let's get into this beautiful topic. Okay. So why don't you share how you came into touch with this idea and concept that, I mean, obviously we all experience moments that feel silent, but where you honed in on, Hey, God is still speaking and moving and working even in those silent seasons. Do you have a story that, that expresses that? Yeah. I feel like there's been a few significant moments in my life where I really felt I feel like God speaks to me every day in that I read his word. I spend time with him. He lays things on my heart. The Holy spirit is so faithful to be with us no matter what. And, and so that's not 
um, negating what that is, but there's been these moments where I've had these just directives, uh, almost like it was just this one phrase or this one thing. Um, years ago, before I got married, I was a college intern at my church and we, this was in, and we were in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we came down for a youth event, uh, in Atlanta. I'd never been to Atlanta before. It was a weekend thing. We ended up going to a Braves game. Uh, and I remember sitting in the Braves stadium, uh, behind we we're like in left field. I can remember where I was. And I'm sitting in a group of teenagers and other college students were hanging out or watching the game. And all of a sudden it was like this moment where I felt like almost an audible voice said, you're supposed to live here. Mm. And I remember thinking, who said that? <laughs> like, I even looked around, like it was so, it was so much, it took over so much of my mind. I don't think anyone else heard it. It was just for me, but it was this moment where I knew that God had asked me or had told me that I was supposed to live in Atlanta. I had no reference. I had never been there before. <clears throat> um, I knew of Atlanta, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And so, um, what I did after that moment was I brushed it off. I was like, I made that up. That didn't happen. That's crazy. Um, and so I just kind of left it alone. I, I didn't think about it. Um, or at least I tried not to think about it, but it was like for the next six to nine months, everything in front of me began to be something about Atlanta. I got a new college roommate. When I got back to school, she was from Atlanta. Um, there was a, a song on the radio. Well, there's multiple songs on the radio, but the one that was like real big at the time was um, John Mayer. And it was why Georgia, why it came on the radio every time I got in the car. Ah. And so it was just like these moments where I'm like, Okay. Like it was just, it just, I kept bumping into Atlanta. Um, and so it was that, I finally had this moment like, okay, God, you're saying something in this that really happened, I guess. So <laughs> I'm not really on board, but I don't know what you're trying to tell me to do. Like, just go live there. Like, what, what does that mean? And so I started praying about it. I had no clarity. I had no idea. And, um, I was actually on a ministry team with my college and we traveled on the weekends and did disciple weekends with youth groups. And so we were going to this big event and I knew the pastor who the evangelist that was speaking for the event. And I thought, okay, I'm going to ask him and he's going to tell me. So I prayed for a month and I fasted. And I, I mean, I was seeking the Lord for him to speak to this pastor to tell me where to go. Mm -hmm. And so I was like praying for God to speak to someone else, basically. Uh, <laughs> so I get to this event. I'm so excited. I'm so just thrilled. I'm finally going to find out what it is that God's asking me to do. And I approached the pastor. Finally, I, I was like, listen, I had this moment where I feel like God's calling me to Atlanta. Do you know of anything? Do you know of any ministries I could connect with? What should I do? He was like, I don't know. And I was like, but I prayed and fasted that you would know, like, why are you telling me this? <laughs> and so he was like, you know what? I'm gonna tell you what to do right now. Google it. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, G Google. Like that's your answer. That's what I prayed for is Google. I was so discouraged and I walked away just like, well, that didn't work, you know? And I got home after that weekend and I sat down at my computer and I was like, you know what? I prayed for that answer. And that's the one I got. So at the time I was interested in women's ministry. I'd been doing some things on campus with that. And so I researched women's ministry, Atlanta. And the first thing that came up was a church in Atlanta and a women's director, uh, a woman named Linda. And I, I saw her picture. I reached out to her. I was like, hi, uh, 
I, I don't know how to start this or what, but I, I feel like I'm supposed to be in Atlanta. Do you guys have any ministry opportunities at your church or anything I could look into for the summer? And she's like, well, we've never really done a summer internship, but I, I guess we could try it. And so I ended up getting a job there. Um, at the end of the summer internship, they asked me to stay on full time and they'd finish paying for my schooling. So it ended up, it worked out great. I met my husband at this church. So it was like, God really like put all the things in line that I would have never been able to line up on my own. Um, and so it was just this moment where there was this significant moment at a brave stadium at a baseball game where I felt God call me to something very specific, mm -hmm. but then it was working it out for the rest of that time to get to that point. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think back to that moment, whenever I'm facing a situation where I feel like God's calling me to do something or leading me towards something. Uh, and it doesn't make sense. I'm like, well, I live in Atlanta right now, so there must be something to this. So, um, I remember there was another moment, um, where, so fast forward a few years ago, I was doing a Bible study, uh, with my small group at my home and we're doing a Priscilla Shire, uh, Bible study called discerning the voice of God. And I remember, um, there was this moment where I felt like, I feel like I'm supposed to go on a missions trip. Like that seems odd. Cause I'm a mom. I have little kids that, you know, like it just didn't, it was seemed very inconvenient. So I'm like someday. I'm going to go on a mission trip. And so I had come to the, the Bible study that day and I was going to be really spiritual. I was going to have a really spiritual prayer request at the end and say, I, I feel God calling me to missions, you know? Um, but instead we started the video, you know, cause you watch the video and you do the Bible study and the video starts and right out of the gate, like Priscilla just hit us with all this good stuff. Uh, one of the things she said is we must go to the inconvenient places and I just knew in that moment that God was confirming in me that I was already supposed to go and all my excuses are out the window. Everything that I had thought that God was leading me towards, um, someday he was showing me it was right now. Um, and the other thing that was very significant, um, is she said, our posture of our posture is obedience and our posture is yes, Lord, before we know the question. And I think that's so hard, especially as a person who likes to control things. Um, I don't love surprises. I don't know about you, but I, I don't love to be shocked or, or surprised. I want to know the details. I want to know what's going on. So for me to posture myself in obedience, to say yes, before I know what the question is, that's scary. Um, but it's the key to surrender and it's, it's, we're not going to get we're not going to be able to live out our purposes if we're not already surrendered before the big things come. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I feel like there was, there was a moment about a six months ago, we had a pastor from Ukraine and his wife, they came to our church. I sang uh, a song with his wife in Russian for one of our services, which was really cool. And at the end of the service, he had said to me, you need to come to Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And I thought, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know how you like, for we're uh, uh, ministry people, very agreeable, you know, like, oh yes, absolutely. Oh yeah. I'm thinking I I'm never going to Ukraine. Why, why did I stay? But then in this moment, I'm watching this Bible study and I remembered that moment and I realized that's what God was asking me to do. So, um, so we, I, I, caught up with another couple that was planning a trip that summer. And so I told them, I said, I feel like God's calling me to go on a mission trip to 
Ukraine. And they were like, great. We're so excited to have you. Um, so then a few weeks later in this Bible study, she was talking about being in God's presence and how important that was to take the time, to make the time to be in God's presence, not to tell him things, not to just get all the information you can, but just to be with him. And, um, so I decided to set aside that time. I was actually driving, um, in my car. I love to spend time with the Lord in my car. Cause it's quiet. No one can ask me to do anything. I don't see all the chores around my house that I need to get done. And so I was in my car and I was worshiping the Lord. I was singing and I just, I had this overwhelming, um, moment. That's the only way I can describe it. It was just, I was overwhelmed with this idea that I was supposed to go to seminary mm. and I knew that that was from the Lord because I had no desire to go back to school. There was nothing in me that wanted to go back to school. Um, but I just felt like it's what I was supposed to do. And I couldn't underst understand or explain it. I got to the conference. Um, I was volunteering at this conference and I got there. I saw my friend and I'm like, I, I think I'm supposed to go to seminary. <laughs> it's just like, oh, wow. So we like, you know, talked about it a little bit and that was it. You know, I just, I got to figure that out. Um, and so I, I let my husband know, um, you know, cause he was the one that when I told him I was going to go on this mission trip, he was like, I think you should, which he's so cautious and careful. That's not like him to agree to stuff like this. So for him to say, yes, that was a big confirmation for me. Yeah. Um, but then when I told him, I was like, I, I feel like God's calling me to go to seminary. And his first thing was like, how much longer is this Bible study going to be <laughs> like, how many more lessons and, and callings are you going to get from this? Like, I, I don't know. I don't think that's what it is, but anyway, so he just said, I think this is great, but we cannot go into debt over this. Like we've got to figure out how to, how to pay for it. And, yeah. you know, so we just started praying about that. I thought, well, I'll just put it off, you know, and then I'll, I'll figure it out later. Yeah. And, um, so anyway, these stories kind of go together reason I'm telling them overlapping, but we get to Ukraine. I finally get to go. It's incredible. Uh, I learned a little bit of Russian so that I could kind of speak to the people there. Um, but we were, um, set up with some translators and some people that would help us. Cause I'll, I could say like pizza and where's the restroom and praise God, but that was about it. So <laughs> I needed to know a little bit more, uh, to be able to be conversational. So we had some translators and when we walked in the door to meet our translators, one of the translators was wearing the name of the seminary that I was planning on going to. Oh, wow. And I was like, in, I mean, we're in the middle of nowhere in That's Ukraine. In the face, man. I know. <laughs> and it was just, it was, I was, yeah, it was just this moment of like confirmation and also just seeing the goodness of God that he would let me have that moment in Ukraine. <laughs> um, and this little town outside of Odessa, we're on the Black Sea. It's beautiful there. Um, and so I just spent that week sp uh, talking with them about their time. They actually, him and his wife had both attended uh, Dallas Theological Seminary. And so we were, but we talked about it. I learned so much about it from our, my translators. It was pretty incredible. Um, but I just feel like the time between that and actually going to seminary, it, it was silent. Like I, I didn't know. I think that was a confirmation of where to go, but then there's like the, but now what, like, how, how do I pay for this? How do we do this? Like when, you know, so I was like, I don't know when I'll start. It'll probably be years from now. We've got to save some money. We've got to figure it out. And so anyway, I, I connected with a friend of mine. He's actually a friend of my mom's. And he said, 
I have a really good friend lives in South Carolina and he likes to help people in ministry. I'm going to connect you with him. Like, great. Cause I thought maybe I could get a little scholarship and then he can kind of, you know, help me with that or whatever. Um, and so I, I had talked to him, he, and he was like, I feel like, I feel like I'm just going to pay for the year instead of this semester. Is that okay? Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I've only met him on the phone. Like I'd never, it was just a a conversation. It was so incredible. Um, and so anyway, I got home and I talked to my husband. I'm like, I can start next month. I have all the resources to do it for the year. He's like, that's amazing. So I started seminary a couple years ago. So I'm still in it. I'm still amazed every time I get to, to do this. Um, and then he actually reached out to me last year at the end of that first year. And he said, I just feel like God wants me to pay for the rest of it. So I'm just paying for all of it. So whatever you need, this is covered. And I was just like, I, I, I still can't believe it. And I still can't believe it got to that point. But I mean, these are amazing things that God did for me to confirm in my life, to show me but it wasn't like these back-to-back moments. It was, I had to, I had to work this out for weeks and months before I got to those points. And it reminds me of, (coughs) excuse me. It reminds me of the story of Abraham. Um, I read a book years ago. Um, it was like a historical fiction where they kind of wrote in the storyline of Sarah and Abraham. Um, so it's not, it's biblical, but it's not like, they kind of added it in to make it a good novel, you know? Um, but one of the things that really stood out to me was how Abraham was, um, he was called by God. And then there was just silence. Like it didn't say God. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't say that he spoke to God every single day and that God returned and confirmed every day he's supposed to do this. It was years, decades that he had just had this one moment of God and he acted out in faith based on that one moment. And so to me, I think what it highlights is there's way more significance in how we live out in the silence, what God has called us to do. Are we willing to be obedient? Are we willing to pursue this like it's going to happen? Or are we going to wait for this next confirmation, this next confirmation? It might take a while. And so we have to be willing to posture ourselves in obedience. Um, And so anyway, that's part of my story. I I feel like there's been other moments like that where God has done amazing things, but it's not the amazing things. were not back to back, you know, like we, when we tell our testimonies like this, there's these moments of silence. We don't always get to talk about. Right. Well, and, and also like in Abraham's waiting, he hit a point of restlessness, which I can completely relate to because I feel like sometimes when we're waiting for promise, we have no idea what God's timeline is. And, and your faith can grow tired. Like the word says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, you know? And so when your heart gets into sickness, sometimes we can start to try to put our hands on the promise and help it along. Right. So (laughs) that's how we get up with Ishmael, you know? That's right. But I love that even though Abraham got his hands on it, Ishmael came along, it didn't abort the promise. And I think sometimes that at least myself, I've found that I feel like if I make a mistake in the waiting, I'm going to screw up the promise coming to fruition. But I love that God just made the most of Ishmael, you know, still made him into a great nation as well. He still inherited some of the promise. And, um, 
and I mean, now granted, we have some conflict in the Middle East due to it, right. but, but I just love that God, God still fulfilled that promise and Abraham, no doubt learned quite a bit along the way as well. Yeah. I think the silence, even though it's hard and even though it feels discouraging, that's where our faith gets cultivated. You know, like it's, it's just like all the metaphors that Bible gives us about growth and harvest and sowing and reaping all those things. There's time in between. And we are so our, our generation, our culture right now is very instantaneous. We want instant followers. We want instant growth. We want instant access. And those things are, we, we sometimes have to wait for those things and we have to be faithful to God and still believe that what he said was true, even though it doesn't come. So here's a question I would ask that my listeners are wondering um, how do you know when you're in a season of silence and God is trying to speak to you? Um, I think it's a friend of mine said once, and I, I think she was quoting someone, so I don't want to say, I don't know who said it, but, um, it was do the last thing that God told you to do and just keep doing that. <clears throat> a lot of times we think, okay, I got to figure this out. I'm going to have to figure out how to speed this along. Like you said, we got to help the promise. We got to get it you know, God needs my help getting this done. And, um, and really it's just, he would just want you to be faithful in the last thing he asked you to do. So whether that's changing diapers or that's reaching out to a friend, or it's just, uh, being faithful in serving in the way that God's called you to serve in your church, whatever that is, you just do the last thing that God told you to do. And then like, uh, Priscilla had encouraged us to do, to make time to be in God's presence, because that's where we get changed. That's where we get to commune and fellowship with God. And we get to see how he's working out things in our life more clearly when we're spending that time with him. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I, I do love that. I think that sometimes the reason we get restless and get our hands on it is because insecurity will start to creep up, maybe not even insecurity in God, but insecurity in us. Like, A, did I hear God or was yeah. I mistaken? Um, is there something I'm supposed to be doing that I'm not doing? <laughs> or is there something I missed? Like, because in because we all intuitively know that obeying God in, and fulfilling the things God has in our life is a partnership. Like there's right. his grace, there's his enabling, there's his direction, but then there's our obedience, there's our growth, there's our dying to ourselves. You know, there's like, it's such a rich partnership. And somehow intuitively we know the two work together. And I think the biggest question in the waiting is what am I waiting for? Like, what are you doing in this waiting? And so we're looking for some purpose for it. And so have you, did you find yourself asking those questions or did the Lord speak to you anything about that? Yeah, I, well, I think one of the things that has stood out to me, um, especially in those moments, like when I felt God was calling me to Atlanta, <clears throat> the story of Adam and Eve, when Eve was tempted, what was the first thing the tempter said to her? Did God really say that? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we're, we begin to question God. Maybe we question ourselves too, but it's like, did he mean that? Is that what he meant when he said that? And, and so it's easy to fall back into that. And that's what that can lead us to getting off, uh, what we're supposed to be doing. But I think back to, um, I heard the, you know, the story of Mary recently, I was in a Sunday school class and they were talking about how <clears throat> Mary pondered all these things in her heart. 
And as moms, I think we, we relate to that, you know, when these beautiful moments happen in our lives with our kids and things like that, we just want to hold on to those moments. But if you look at the life of Mary, it's kind of lines up with what happened to Abraham. You know, she was visited by an angel. She got pregnant. And then really there weren't that many confirmations throughout that this was really a good thing. <laughs> you know, like she almost got divorced. She almost got her, you know, her, her betrothed almost walked away from her. Uh, she could have been really gotten in really big trouble um, while she was pregnant. And then when she had the baby in the manger, all the angels and the shepherds and all the thing that happened with that beautiful story of Christmas that we hear all the time. And I wonder if that was a moment where she was like, okay, I didn't make that up. <laughs> like that really <laughs> happened. This was not like me hallucinating. This is really God doing something. And then it also says that she pondered all these things when they went to the temple weeks later, you know, she's there with, um, is it Zechariah and Anna and she's in the temple and they rejoice over this baby and they call this baby. This is the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. And it says she pondered all those things in her heart too. And so I wonder if that was just, I love that God is just so gracious for his children, that he will give us those confirmations, give us those discerning moments to we, so we can say this really did come from the Lord. He doesn't want us to be uh, he's not aloof. Like he's not like, all right, you guys figure it out. I told you what to do. I'm walking over here. Right. He stays with us in that moment. And he just wants us to follow through. And, and throughout that, I think he gives us those confirmations that we can see that he's still working and he's still working out that calling or that purpose or that vision that he's placed in our life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there were a lot of moments, like I said, where, where things confirmed in my life where things happened that I was just like, okay, God's really in the middle of this. And I'm just, I'm just being obedient. Um, a lot of people still ask me, cause I'm still in seminary right now. <clears throat> and people ask me, so what do you want? Why are you in seminary? Like, what do you want to do? Like, why, why did you decide to go to seminary? And all I can say is obedience. Like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm there. I don't know. I love what I'm learning. Like, I love that I'm doing this. I'm so thankful that I get this opportunity but I don't have a directive after this. Like, I don't know what God's doing with this, except just changing my heart and making me fall in love with scripture uh, and theology. But I I'm just so thankful that I get to do it. And, and I'm going to live out that purpose until the next thing he asked me to do. Yeah. And I, I, I identify with that so much because I very much feel like I'm on this breadcrumbs journey with the Lord too. I've always been in ministry my whole life since I was young. And always known I was called to ministry, but when the Lord introduced me to the idea of going into business and fashion and just this, it's very, it's a unique journey, but it's one that people are like, so what do you want to do with this? And I'm like, I literally have no idea. I don't <laughs> know why God has called me into fashion. I'm figuring it out every obedience at a time. And it's kind of an adventure, you know, it like becomes a lot of fun because I don't have the answers, but it's kind of like, I'm going on this explorative journey with the Lord. And it's, it's very fun. And he is kind, like you said, to walk along the way. And I just want to encourage my listeners. I had this thought, like in that waiting and when you're walking and you're like, I'm being obedient, like, don't be afraid of the messiness that may be a part of your process because yeah. there will be tears of uncertainty. There will be the questions you got to ask. There will be all the things in your flesh that you didn't know were there coming to the surface. They're all for me in my waiting process and the, the crucibles I've lived through, 
I didn't know that even my personality and the way I approached life that I had some really unhealthy um, habits, like the inability to draw lines and create boundaries. Like I didn't know I was bad at that (laughs) until I went through very unhealthy situations and had to, you know? And so I realized on the other side, I needed the mess. I needed it to get messy because that's what surfaced all the stuff that really enriched me in the process. And so kind of like gardening, you get messy gardening, you know? I remember when I told my kids that I was going to go on this mission trip and it was actually, it would lap over their first couple days of school, like starting school. Cause it was at the end of the summer and they were just like, like, what, wait, what? Like dad has to get us ready for school. You know, like, you know, like all that stuff that he hasn't had to have to do by himself before. Um, and I just remember that was really hard. There were some moments where they were upset. They were going to miss me, you know, and I was like, this is all so inconvenient, but I just knew I had a purpose in being there and ministering to people in, in Ukraine. And now looking at what's happening in the world today, um, you know, there's, there's all these things that could have, you know, God could have done amazing things without me being there. It's, that's not the point, but I know that I had a purpose in being there and ministering to those people that are now suffering greatly. And I get to connect with them and I get to still keep up with them and encourage them. And, and that was cultivated, you know, through all these years. So yeah, there's our, there's always these moments. I think another thing too, that's part of our culture. Um, and I think it kind of comes out a lot in high school is where, okay, you're going into college figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life. And that is, that is so not how it works. (laughs) It's not, I still don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. (laughs) Exactly. I know it's so much pressure. And so I, I feel like that's something, I don't know how to change that or, or, or do anything about that, but I just think it is kind of, we're kind of created to like, or cultivated in this mindset that we got to figure out our whole life you know, and, and that's just not possible. I think as long as we're willing to be obedient and follow after God, he's going to lead us into the things that we love. He's going to give us things that are fulfilling. He's also going to give us things that are really hard and complicated and challenge us and are boring as heck, but we get to work out those things and learn from those, all those moments put together. Yeah. You know, there was a, and I'll get to my last question, but there was a moment in the movie, The Star, which was a cute little cartoon, a Christmas cartoon about, you know, Mary's journey. Um, But it was from like the animal's perspective. Uh And I remember a line in the movie where they really did a good job highlighting how challenging her process was and how hard it was for them to get this king of the nations born. And they said, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not God. Right. And I have literally thought that and said that to myself multiple times because it just smacked me. I didn't realize I had developed this mentality that, oh, if God is in it, there's going to be such a grace. It'll come with so much ease. And and while that is true, and there are some things that you'll walk through that come with a marked ease and a marked grace, it's still going to be hard, you know, because, because of all of that wrestling through what's inside of you, your expectations, God's working outside your boxes, you know, like you might have to go and dispossess the promised land before you can move in, you know? So just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not God. And, and in those silent moments, that's when you got to dispossess the promised land sometimes. And that's, yeah. Like Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But if you think about the first word, we like easy and light. Those are the words we hone in on in that verse. But he said, my yoke, what I am tying you down to and my burden, those things, 
And, and it's not because they're not a burden and they're not a yoke. It's not that they're like feathers that we're carrying through. It's that he is walking with us uh-huh. and he is carrying us through all of that hardship. So like you said, just because it's hard, doesn't mean that God's saying, okay, I'm giving you a red flag. No, I do think there is some discernment levels. And so I would say, you know, for anyone that feels like God's calling me to something, it feels crazy or it feels way out there. Um, you know, Gideon tested the water, Gideon reached out and asked God to show him and confirm in his life. Um, you can always reach out to good friends. You need a mentor. My, the lady I, I spoke of earlier, when I connected with her in Atlanta, Linda, she's still my mentor today. So that was another blessing I got from that was that she, you know, she pours into my life when there's big things that I feel like is going on. You know, I was talking to my husband and I talked to Linda and that's how I kind of figure out, you know, if this is something that God's in the middle of. So finding those people that you can seek wise counsel, um, because I think that's important in all of that too. But just because it's hard, doesn't mean that it, you got to stop. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Okay. So real quick speak to, you mentioned how comparison of our callings can sometimes try to interject itself in that silent season and it can kind of try to disrupt waiting with faith. And so speak to that. Yeah. Um, I think it's really easy, especially social media. And I know we say this all the time to look at what God is doing in other people's lives. And we want that, like, that looks great. They have such this huge platform or they have all these followers or they have all these wise words that they're able to say. Um, but we don't always get to see the mess or the hardship or the yoke, the burden that got them to that point. So, you know, I think it's really easy to look at that and, and to, want what someone else has. And I'm not saying that from a perspective where you guys, I don't do that anymore. I am totally content. Uh, It's still a struggle because I have social media and it's really easy to look at other people and what God's doing in their life and think I should be further along than I am, or I should be doing something else, or I'm not doing enough. And those are not, uh, the things that you're hearing like that, that's not from the Lord. And that's not how God guides us. God doesn't say, look at this other person. That's where you should be. That's never how God has shown people how to follow him. He wants to walk through this with us. And so just keeping that perspective, when you feel those, those, um, those lies come up in your heart and your mind, when you're scrolling and you just keep seeing all these people succeeding or all these people with these perfectly, you know, angelic children in all these cute clothes and you know, all their hair is combed and their house is gorgeous. Just know it's, it's just not, it's not like that. I'm sure all the time. And it does it. That's not a measure for where you should be. God wants you to follow him and he wants to walk through this with you. And he can't do that. If you're looking over to the side at what someone else is doing. Yeah. I, I just read, I think it was Caroline leaf that, um, posted that your brain is programmed to believe that what you see with your eyes is true because you know that's just biological programming and uh, that's part of how we measure and calculate life and so when we're seeing things on social media your brain is programmed to believe that it's the whole story or that it's true yeah wow. and while it may be true for them it's a glimpse it's a glimpse of their life like i put the highlights of our life on social media mostly because it would be kind of inappropriate to put all the low lights <laughs> on social media, you know, like keep that to yourself, work it out privately, you know, and right. once you get through it, then share the story, you know, but, uh, anyways. And so the comparison thing is real, but one thing I started doing, especially working in fashion and 
having to subscribe to all these fashion bloggers and stuff. Um, I started just saying when I would see them succeeding and stuff, I just started saying, you know what? I'm happy for her. I am proud of her pursuing her calling. That is her calling. And that is yeah. not calling and I'm not going to touch her calling, but I'm really proud of her. And so even doing that shifted my perspective yeah. from, to a, a place of abundance because I could cheer for her and it shifted my mind out of lack or defeat and was able to help me distinguish like, Hey, we're each on a different path and we each are going to do well and we each are going to struggle and it's okay. You know? So yeah. one, one of the girls I had on my podcast recently, her name's Kara Snyder. Uh, and she wrote a book for tweens, um, called anxiety elephants. You guys should all get it. It's, it's awesome. But, um, she said, one of the things that helps with people that are dealing with anxious thoughts is to, um, switch to gratitude. Think of things that you're grateful for. And it actually turns off your brain from the anxiety, from the worry, from all that overtaking. So when you feel overwhelmed or you feel like a lot of these things are standing in front of you just finding those things to be thankful for that really changes your perspective. Like, yeah, they're succeeding, but look at how, you know, all these things have worked out or I'm so thankful I've, I've aired my lungs. I still have a purpose right now. So, um, there's always something you can be grateful for. So good. That's super practical life hack right there, which speaking of life hacks, we <laughs> actually has a really fun, practical life hack for us in our life hack section. But first, before we dive into that, how can my listeners connect with you? And if they love your content, want to hear more from you, how can they do that? Well, I, this is kind of odd for me because I'm usually the interviewer. I'm not the interviewee. So, <laughs> but I have a podcast called the collide kids podcast. Uh, if you look it up, it's got, it's like, um, coral color with neon green glasses. So if you see that you're in the right place. Um, and I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, uh, the collide kids pod is my handle for the Instagram. And then you can find me Kristen Clark, C H R I S T E N all Kristen spell it different. Uh, but you can find me on Instagram there and, and check out, um, you know, all that stuff. But, uh, and then I also have a website, collidekidspodcast.com. So yeah, definitely tune in if you have kids or if you don't have kids, there might be a uh, person that I've had on the show that might be of interest to you. There's been so many cool opportunities for me to talk to people. So yeah, anybody can listen. That's so great. I love it. Well, thank you for doing that. And I will throw those links. You can send them to me and I'll throw them in the show notes so people can okay. easily, but you guys don't go anywhere because Kristen has a really cool life hack for us coming right up. Okay, Kristen, tell us your life hack. We all need ways to make life easier. So I don't love to wash my hair. I have uh, naturally curly hair. So in the summer I might wash it a little bit more cause I'll go natural waves and all of that. But when I'm, when I blow dry it out and do all the heat styling and all of that stuff, I, my life revolves around dry shampoo. Uh, and I have had such a hard time finding a good dry shampoo because I either don't like the smell or it makes your hair feel real gritty or like weird, you know, like that, just that feeling like you're like, it might look okay for a few minutes, but I know like if I touch it, it'll just deflate, you know? Uh, but anyway, I just like, I just got this. So this is a new life hack for me. Uh, it's the living proof, perfect hair day, advanced, clean, dry shampoo. Now I've tried, I've tried living proofs stuff before. I didn't love it before it was okay, but it wasn't amazing. And it's, it's a little pricey, but I'm telling you, I did it today. It, my hair looks like I washed it. I didn't. 
I know it really does. I'm appreciate yeah, it. shiny. It's still it's still shiny, but it's not like flat, you know, laying on my head and and gross. So it doesn't have that gritty feeling. So I'm I'm a fan. I, I'll I'm buying into Living Proof now. So I highly recommend that dry shampoo. Uh, it'll save you so much time. <laughs> That's amazing. Can you find it on Amazon? Yes, I I bought mine on at Ulta, but there's lots of places. Yeah, to get Living Proof, they have a lot of of places you can purchase it. Excellent. Excellent. I love that. And since you mentioned allergies and it is palm season and everyone is like congested right now, I know I've mentioned this in life hacks before, but for anyone who's new or just hasn't heard that one, lavender essential oil, if you put it on the bottoms of your feet, it takes 28 minutes for the lavender oil to affect every cell in your body. And what it does is it actually reprograms your body's histamine response. And so it actually heals your allergy response. So you can actually improve your allergies over, and it doesn't take really that long, maybe a week to three weeks of using it regularly. Uh, You can also just like my husband used to have, like he would sneeze a hundred times a day, constant allergies. My son always had a runny nose. And so for my son, I put lavender on his pillow to help him sleep better. And I noticed after just a couple months of doing that, he would, he didn't have a runny nose anymore. And I was like, wait, when did that happen? And so I don't actually know how long it took for yeah. it to hit his system. But for my husband, I would put lavender with sometimes peppermint and lemon in a capsule with um, olive oil to dilute it. And he would take it orally and he took it for maybe three, four days in a row. It's super helps. So now when he has a flare up, I'll make one for him, but lavender oil heals your histamines and will. Oh, I love that. I'm definitely going to go find some right now because (laughs) this is, I've had enough. Like this is enough. Okay. (laughs) Girl, I remember when our house flooded, um, I had these crazy reactions. We thought that I had meningitis because my, my whole system locked up everything hurts so bad. I went to the doctor, had two rounds of antibiotics. They couldn't figure out what was going on. So it finally hit the third time. And I was like, Lord, I can't live like this. And I was (laughs) like, God, you got to tell me what to do. And so the Holy spirit reminded me that my, my son had had really swollen glands the night before. And because we flooded, we lost everything. So I didn't have medicine or whatever to hand him, but I had oil And I was like, dude, we'll just hope for the best. So I put oil on his feet and the next morning his glands were totally normal. And so the Lord reminded me of that. And I was like, oh, so I took some lavender oil within 30 minutes, all my symptoms were gone. And then I was in Phoenix and I had a big allergic reaction. My face got all swollen. I had a big red patch on my neck. I just rubbed um, lavender oil on my face and my neck and I drank some lavender tea. And within 20 minutes, it was all gone. So that's awesome. Lavender is the bee's knees. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Thanks for that. That's good to know. Living proof dry shampoo. Yes. That for the hair, lavender oil for the allergies. Boom. I'm set. Yeah. This was great. (laughs) Thank you, Kristen. It was so good to have you. And you guys don't know this, but Kristen made herself available very last minute. I posted on like Monday or Tuesday, who wants to interview with me? I need somebody. (laughs) And she's like, I'll do it. And so she's here on Friday. So quick to jump and quick to be available. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. You're so welcome. It was my pleasure. Awesome. Well, you guys have a wonderful week. And this this episode is going up, uh, I believe, next week, which will be the week before Easter. 
And in that episode, I have Christina DeRosa, who is an Academy Award-winning actress. She's been in a lot of recent stuff. She just posting all kinds of stuff about the Oscars recently. Anyway, she's amazing. She just got saved. I've been praying for her for a couple of years. She's friends with my sister, just got saved. And she shares her, her story on the episode. And she told me that she shared some personal things that she's never opened up about in an interview before. So she shares some really personal things about her life that is just powerful and touching. And so I thought that was perfect timing for Easter. So you guys make sure you come back uh, next week also for the episode with Christina. So Kristen, thank you again for your time. Y'all check out Kristen's podcast, go follow her on Instagram and Facebook, and we'll see y'all next week. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. It's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon. Or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you will fulfill your greatest destiny one day at a time.